treasures of the earth There's no way to measure
towards celebrating Easter, we recognize today as the, the day of the crucifixion of Jesus. And you know, when you think about the ritual of communion, it's probably one of the best known or the most well-known of all rituals. And again, when you think about rituals, I, I was kind of contemplating this. Rituals actually serve as reminders, but they also serve as a way to create an experience. A, a ritual is something we do to remember something, but it's in our remembering that we experience the realities. It's kind of like the reordering of the world. As it should be. Even if it's just for this moment. So I want us to enter into this posture. And I'm sure you know about this moment because this is the moment where Jesus was in the upper room and he has washed the feet of his disciples. And after that, he had some, some words, some final words that he wanted to say to them. It's actually recorded in John 13. It's also the place where Jesus celebrated Passover with them before he was led to his crucifixion. And the thing about the Passover is, when we talk about the Passover, it's, it's, it's like a very familiar ritual to the Israelites, to the Jews, because it was a, a celebration as it was symbolic of the Israelites and their deliverance from slavery into the promised land, into the promised life that God had for them. And again, one of the things that I've been reflecting on as we prepare for Easter is as we come out of one way of life, 
and we enter into this freedom. There's always this uncertainty in what actually exists in the future. And that's why we really need to hold fast to these kind of moments, especially in our world and in light of the uncertainty that's really ahead of all of us. We need to really take the time to reorder ourselves around what it is that God is calling us to in light of what he has done for us. So communion is really one of those times where we get to monitor and we get to experience that. Because see, here's the thing. When you want to know what love looks like, you don't have to look far. If you want to know what love looks like, you simply have to look at the cross. Because the cross is the place where God gave himself to the world. So that he could reconcile the world to himself. In really what is the greatest act of love that will ever be known. It's in the cross that we're, we are freed from living a life of one that is unloved. But in the cross, we're freed to live life as one who is now loved, as God's beloved, as one who belongs. And that's what we're going to see here in just a moment as we celebrate communion. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, speaking of Jesus, as it's speaking of Jesus. It says, he himself bore our sins on the cross. In other words, he took our sins, and your sins and my sins, they weighed down on him. And he bore the burden in his physical body on the cross. And here's why. So that we might die to the sins and live for righteousness. So that we may enter into his death, and in doing so, we are raised again with his life. And then he quotes from Isaiah 53. For by his wounds we are healed. It's in the shedding of Jesus' blood. It's in him giving his life. That's where we find our healing. It goes on and it says, For you were like sheep going astray. And again, it's really easy for you and I just to read over that. But the imagery here is so powerful. Because when you think about it, the sheep are not like, they're not rebelling against the shepherd. They're just wandering off. They just want to go off to a place and do life on their own. They're moving away from the place where their life really is. And we're like sheep who are moving away from the place where life is intended to be lived. You're like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. See, I'm going to tell you this, this afternoon, I bet you've read that and you never thought about those two words, shepherd and overseer, because those are powerful words. 
as we return to this, to this way of life under God's love, under the rule of God's love. When we return to that, here's the thing you need to understand. You find someone. We find a person. We find God. We find God who is our shepherd as he holds us and he tends to us. But he's also not just the shepherd, he's our overseer. There's authority. There's a rule. There's a way that we are called and expected to live underneath God's rule. So what Jesus did on the cross and at the Last Supper is he took the bread and he took the wine, those two elements. Because those two elements are symbolic of what is happening and what's available to us. And Jesus picked up the bread and he said, this is my body. This is my body which, which is broken for you. This is the, the once and for all sacrifice that was given for our sins. This is what frees us from all the excuses that you think you have to make when you've done something wrong. It frees us from having to demonstrate how serious we are about changing things or how sorry we feel about the things that we've done. It simply postures us to be able to receive. And see, here's one of the brilliant things about the communion meal. The brilliant thing about communion is that it is just what I said. It's a meal. It's something that you partake in. When you partake in a meal, listen to me, it, it becomes a part of you. It's something that you bring into yourself. And that's the understanding that this would have been done with. So Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. This is the once and for all sacrifice so that you can live your life in forgiveness. So that you can live your life as one who has been forgiven. So as we get ready and as we approach Easter, let's take the bread. It's on the bottom of that little chalice. It's on the bottom of that cup. If you'll just peel that paper back if you haven't done that already and take that piece of bread and let's receive it. And as we do, I want us to remember that there was one sacrifice that was given for all time so that my sin would be born on his body so that I could be returned to the shepherd and the overseer of my soul. Would you eat the bread with me? And after he had taken the bread, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. And here's the beautiful thing about a covenant. A covenant was a promise. A covenant was an exchange. It was, it was a way of saying, if, if you do this, 
then I'm going to do that. And one of the things that I think is so powerful is where it says in Romans chapter 3, it says that God put his son forward as an atoning sacrifice for our sins that would demonstrate his righteousness. And at the end of that passage, it says, so that God himself would be both the just and the justifier. And what's interesting is this, what I just alluded to, what it says in Romans chapter 3, it's like reaching back to Genesis chapter 17. Where God said to Abraham, Abraham, we're going to enter into this covenant. And Abraham, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. But Abraham, I need you to go out, and I need you to make a sacrifice. And that's what Abraham does. Abraham goes out, and he gathers these animals, and he cuts these animals in half, because that's the way it was done in that culture. And he lays those halves of the animals down. And again, when you were joining in a covenant, each person that was agreeing to the covenant would walk between the pieces of the animals. That's just the way it was done. It was a symbol. It was a way of me saying and you saying that if I don't uphold my end of the covenant, if I don't hold, uh, uphold my end of the bargain, then may it be done to me just like it was done to these animals. But what happens in Genesis 17, as God and Abraham are making this covenant, Abraham falls into a deep sleep. And instead of he and God walking between the animal parts, there's this flame, this torch that goes between the animal parts. And it's as though Abraham never obligated himself to the covenant, to the deal, to the bargain. But God did. So what we find in the cross is God upholding the agreement as both the just and the justifier. The one who justified on our behalf. And that would happen when Jesus offered his body and his blood in the new covenant. The cup would be the new covenant, the new way for us to live, by which we just receive the sacrifice that has already been given. And there's no reason for us to have to atone for ourselves because it's already been done. How do I know it's already been done? I know it's already been done because those were Jesus' last words on the cross. What did he say? It is finished. So we take the cup and we remember that this is the blood of the new covenant that says forever, our sins will not be remembered against us any longer and that he will be our God and we will be his people as we return to the shepherd and the overseer. So we will take the cup and we will drink together. And in doing so, we will do it with a sense of freshness because we remember the reality 
that's been made available to us. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. But I want you to think that we're all like sheep who have gone astray. But we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, we thank you for this week. We thank you for the cross and the, and the demonstration of love that it is to all of us. And God, this afternoon, we receive that personally. Because we need to stand as those who have been forgiven. We continue, God, to be formed as your people. Because we desire to be the people that you want us to be. Under the care, under the direction of the shepherd and our overseer. As we ask this prayer this afternoon in Jesus' name. Jesus, you deserve the praise.
Jesus commands my destiny. 